Hey everyone. Hi. Before we get started this week, a quick request, request, a request to review us on iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, which is the official way that Real Deal Podcasts say it. Apple Podcasts. Check us out. This week's episode is a request from two different listeners. So that's very exciting to and us. We had a really great time with yeah. it because it's a fantastic book. It's magical. It's wonderful. It's by the glorious Diana Wynne Jones. Um, if you'd like to request a book for us to read, all you have to do is send us an email, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, or put it in the review. Best of both worlds. And considering our track record, we will probably do that book if yeah, you request it. Takes it takes us a while, so. but we'll get to it for sure. So Podcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast and on Twitter at Dragon Babies Pod. Review us. And now the episode. Hello. Hi. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. Where we reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and talk about why they're just as good, if not better, for grown-ups. Yeah. This week is a very special episode. Mm-hmm. It is... I mean, every week Every I mean, Every week episode. feels pretty special, yeah. yeah. Um, but this book is one that was requested by two different listeners of ours, by Kate and Madeline, or maybe Madeline, sorry, not up on the correct pronunciation of your name. Grace is imposing the same pain upon <laughs> another Madeline in that I've experienced for my so whole many life. years. Yeah. That's what people should just call it Madeline in. Madeline in. <laughs> or Madeline in. I like Madeline in. That sounds good. <laughs> sounds like a magical little French girl of lore. Yeah, exactly. And the book is A Tale of Time City by Diana Wynne Jones. I think this might be, okay, so she's now going to officially be our most covered author. Yeah, yeah because we've we're only done third two. Episode. We've done two Mother. Trey Pratchett, two Tamara Pierce, and two, I don't know. <laughs> Go look at our episodes and see. Garth <laughs> um, Nix, maybe? No, no, all we've done is Gabriel. Hmm. Anyway, this book is also special because we actually didn't read this as children. So this is the first time we're covering a book that we don't have any specific nostalgia for. Mm-hmm. But it being written by Dan Wynne Jones and covering so many themes that we've discussed, I think fits it right in with the other books that we have covered. Um, and I'd also like to talk a little bit about yeah, why we might not have found this book when mm-hmm. we did. Because it's Diana one of her more popular books. ones. Yeah, it's definitely popular. Um, yeah, I've got my theories as to why. Uh, but first, let's discuss what this book has to say about itself, namely its cover art and marketing breakdown. So because this was not a book we read as kids, we did not have a copy, obviously. That would be weird. So we got a lovely used hardcover. Um, it's got a really intriguing painting on the front um, that incorporates elements of the futuristic part of the story and then also the World War II part of the story set in our history. Um, It's got Jonathan, right? That's Jonathan. It's got to be Jonathan, (laughs) although I really didn't picture him as being blonde. (laughs) Or rocking those sandals that look like a pair of uh, Tory Burch ones my mom had when I was growing up. Oh, wow. Yeah, those are great sandals. Um, and the jumpsuit is very tightly fitted. I always picture I pictured them as baggier. Um, yeah. And I also didn't picture him looking quite so jester like. Mm-hmm. He looks like Tingle. Like that's the that's the vibe that I get. Is from. this our first Tingle shout out of the entire podcast? Shout out it to Tingle, you, you strange, weird little man. You don't know what Tingle is. <laughs> look it up. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan is holding Vivian and pulling her through the air as they fly through different times. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got pictures of like the cracking, breaking down Time City behind yeah. them, and they're bounding off into an uncertain future. And, and she's Vivian got a gas has her mask. gas mask. Yeah, Vivian's got her gas mask. Um, it's a funny cover. I. I actually didn't even really look or think about right, it until yeah. I was like halfway through the book. And then I suddenly was like, oh, wait, I wonder what the cover has to say. And then I was like, hmm. What 
doesn't have to say. I'm actually more interested in the background the of Time City yes. than I am of the characters yeah. because they don't totally fit my perception. They don't fit mine at all. Um, and that's fine. I mean, yeah, whatever. I like that the artist did get details like the diamonds on the suit um, okay. and uh, the gas mask, uh, Vivian's uh, outfit that she, you know, talked about having with her right, when she yeah. was leaving. Um, they, they talked so much about his eyes, Jonathan's eyes, that I like was surprised that he's facing away on the cover mm-hmm. so you can't see them. Yeah, and also he doesn't look Asian at all. And so that that's like the yeah. big thing, right? He and his family are all of Chinese descent. Mm-hmm. And it's a mark of their pedigree, basically, because mm-hmm. they are from that family. Because they're Lee's. Yeah. 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 So the blondness. Well, yeah, that's why I definitely, definitely didn't picture him blonde. I was confused about No, I, I totally agree. He looks yeah. more like a, a link, link, a tingle amalgamation. <laughs> okay, that's no Zelda talk. So um, moving to the back, we get a redo of cut the out same the picture put in the really just funny. the figures are isolated Including against the magenta background jonathan's whole pigtail trailing off there well jonathan's pigtail is basically a character know, in this yeah, book talk about it a lot it's pretty cute a lot of emotion in that pigtail <laughs> yeah. all right it reads praise for a tale of time city High-spirited time travel fantasy that is sure to delight its readers. When 11-year-old Vivian Smith is evacuated from London in 1939, she expects to end up in the peaceful British countryside. Instead, she is kidnapped by two youthful time travelers who... Dot, 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 whisker... Oh, because it's a review. (laughs) I thought it was was a synopsis, and I was like, why are there ellipses cutting out sections? Okay, I'm... What? I'm sorry, excuse me. Wait, Louis... Oh, there's only reviews yeah. on the. No, I don't <laughs> want to give you the book. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> Instead, she is kidnapped by two youthful time travelers who whisk her off to Time City, a richly imagined alternative world which exists in time but not in history. That almost, sorry, another ellipsis. This is so confusing. Why that, did, if this is a super popular book, the editor really couldn't be bothered to come up with their own blurb? I don't know. That almost nothing, whether person or incident, is precisely what it appears to be at first encounter both complicates Vivian's task and delights readers. That is the hardest sentence I have had to make. Okay, you have to read the other reviews now, too. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm that almost done. Review. That's not even done. I'm not even finished. This ability to surprise has become a Diana Wynne Jones signature as having her unflagging inventiveness and almost uncanny ability to create imaginary worlds of resounding reality. Dot, dot, dot. Absolutely first rate <laughs> entertainment. And two brackets, Diana Wynne Jones's <laughs> fans. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If this I had like looked me at me trying to quote like a superior court case that's like quoting a different oh, case. If I had looked a at different this more case. closely, I would have just said we not read this. It, well, we're in it now. We're almost Ellipses, done. bracket, asterisk. Oh, no. And to her fans, this will be one of the few things about her new book, which will come as no surprise. That piece of garbage was written by the school library journal. Grace, two thumbs down on the school library journal. I'm reviewing the review and I give it a boo. No, thank you. No more. Um, there are other reviews, but I don't even feel like reading them now. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm too overwhelmed. Grace is done. Um, yeah. So n- no, no comment on the the marketing. There, there is a little um, explanation of just like a brief summary inside the front cover, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll go over that ourselves. We're gonna stay. Quick and easy. Oh with yeah, this we should have read that. Yeah, we're okay. we're out of control. I'm sorry, you guys. In case you can't tell, this is one of those episodes we're recording at night rather than in the morning, and there are many our energy a lot flags more fast and in loose the evening time because both me and Grace go to bed at like 8 p.m. <laughs> it's true. Is what you have to look forward to. My boyfriend calls in your me late twenties, like, early thirties. Try to stay up till ten o'clock tonight. Okay. Okay, the one thing I will mention is inside the hardcover jacket, it says ages 10 and up, which, okay, I think younger kids could read yeah, this. we don't but need an age thing on this. There's nothing. That always irritated yeah, me. Yeah, because it makes young. me feel patronized, yeah. too. That and board game ages, I always hated so it's much. Really and I'd stupid. walk through the store and look at games that are clearly like sexy party games for adults and be like, what? 18 and over? I don't think so. <laughs> I can play strip taboo. <laughs> what store were you at? They don't just sell these like Toys R Us. No, it's like regular game stores. They have 
you know, the older like party games and stuff too. Now I am an adult and I don't own games like that because they're terrible, but we have code names. Just it's the point of it. I do I do have an after dark version of code names. 18 and over on it. It should. It has a lot of explicit words in it. Codenames, great game. Check it out if you guys want. You don't have to get the After Dark version. We digress. Tale of Time City. Madeline? Oh, you didn't want to do it, did I, you? Okay, no, I feel more braved now and also ashamed that, I've, that I'm ducking my duty. Um, so I'm going to give just a really short summary because this plot is, you know, it's there's time travel. It goes all over the place. There's a lot of butterfly effects, so things change after yeah. the fact. Mainly the important thing to know and remember is that Time City, where most of the action in this book takes place, is a place that's outside the normal currents of time. And since it is, and since it can see all of human time from the Stone Age to the depopulation of Earth, which happens in like the hundred and somewhere around the hundred and fiftieth century. Yeah. Um, it people can go from those places and visit Time City. They're not really supposed to go from those places to different eras. There's like time police and observers, observers to keep things different on eras. Track. And basically, there are certain eras which are stable and unstable. It's important for the unstable eras not to get too unstable mm-hmm. because during the unstable eras, wars happen, really important inventions are made, um, and then they allow the stable eras to be stable. Vivian, the main character of the book, is from an unstable era, which is World War II era. Um, she's English. She's and, from London. Yes. Yeah. And she is being sent away from London Um to uh, the countryside to be safe from the bombing um, when she is intercepted by a resident of Time City, one of this prestigious and ancient line of families. He thinks that she's a character from the Time City mythology Mm -hmm. and that she can help prevent this time crisis that seems to be going on. Uh, In fact, she is not that lady. It's just just a little girl. Uh, And she... um, yeah, hijinks ensue. Okay, that's I'm setting off now. Great. Okay. In the end, Time City is safe from total unraveling, mm-hmm. and they move forward into a new era as the cyclical progress that mm-hmm. is the way time works in yeah. this book. I mean, time is. Again. Yeah, it's a really complicated, and um, I don't know. I I understood. Uh, what she was doing with time, but it's definitely not something I can just kind of sum up. No, and you shouldn't. I mean, we don't understand time travel in our reality. And I feel like Diana Wynne Jones brought in a lot of the same concepts mm-hmm. about how time travel theoretically should work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately it gets, you know, complex, but it makes sense. And I was really impressed by that. Yeah. None of her use of time travel was that sort of random, oh, I, okay, I need to put these two characters together now, so I'm just going to make up a new rule. She really right. works within the framework that she created from the start. It had an, and an that's, order that's, and a system. It wasn't just how some lazier sci-fi authors do it where just rules get stacked on rules and you can't even keep track of what's a rule or not. It doesn't jar you enough where you actually get shaken outside of the framework and be like, wait, I don't buy it. It allows you to suspend your disbelief. And I think that's one reason why Diana Wynne-Jones is a master of the medium because sure. she loves playing with time in within fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in hearing us talk a lot more about this, about alternate histories, mixing fantasy and reality together. Mm-hmm. Check out our Witch Week episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that ability to create a new structure, but then work within it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That's really impressive. And she's a really incredible time, world builder. The book is really funny. It's yeah. really endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the concepts and creatures that she comes up with are super cool and unique um it doesn't ever get dry or read like you know hard sci-fi that is about 
that's really concerned with time theory and with time right, travel. Yeah. Um, speaking of masters of fantasy, um, I wanted to read a little excerpt from the introduction to the book, the edition that we had, um, which was by Ursula K. Le Guin, who very sadly passed away yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was such a huge figure in my mind and life, and not to mention the countless other readers and writers and just humans that she touched in yeah. different ways. Um, so there's nothing I can say that's going to actually be enough to honor her and her memory, but I wanted to just read a little passage of her own words that in a kind of fun way sums up what I think has become our Dragon Baby's thesis <laughs> statement kind of unexpectedly. A Tale of Time City was written and published for young adults. But like all really good fantasy, it isn't just for one kind of people, one age group. Fantasy doesn't care how old you are. Imagination pays no attention to all those walls we put up between the different stages of life. It just breezes right through them. A lot of kids younger than their teens will certainly enjoy this story, and people a long way past their teens can enjoy it just as much. I can guarantee that. I'm ancient, and I went along on the roller coaster ride, whooping and hollering all the way. Diana Wynne Jones knows how to tell a story. That sounds so simple, knows how to tell a story. And maybe it's simple, but it's rare, very rare. Like the gift of music, storytelling is a great gift and a mysterious one. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's really spot on. It's really beautiful and a good, just a good way of talking about fantasy in general, good fantasy in general, but also... Um, Diana Wynne Jones's works they're mm-hmm. just this book was I kind of reconnected with that feeling of being young I because I read so much when I was young <laughs> that's been established by this yeah. point that me and Grace read a lot when we were and younger sadly we haven't read as much yeah, as we've no, gotten older I mean that's I think that's natural depending on the kind of life that you have mm-hmm. and for us we started out as painful introverts Mm -hmm. who um, spent a lot of time in our own mental worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we have careers and advanced degrees and relationships, um, friendships, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) our own homes. I mean, there's so many different things that come in and take you away from reading. I'm sorry, please continue. No, it just, it got me back in touch with that little girl who like, would just be stuck to a book for hours, yeah. just like shifting position, like, you know, upside down, holding the book over my head, like sitting on one arm or whatever, just, you know, because yeah. I wouldn't move from that spot. But, you know, I'm like my legs would fall asleep or something, so I'd have to readjust. <laughs> and uh, like trying to read so fast that mm. I was like getting ahead of the I know, words I, and had to, to like too. slow myself down like oh wait I don't want to miss anything because I just really wanted to find out what happened um and I just really kind of reconnected with that feeling while I was reading this book like I read it over dinner which is what I used to do mm-hmm. I would come up from school yeah. and sit at the counter um and read my book over my soup Yeah, I'm really happy you said that because I experienced something similar. I had to tear myself away from the very end of the book because I was petting my cat while I read. (laughs) And uh, sorry, guys, but I looked more closely at her and realized she had fleas for the first time. Oh, you actually saw the fleas? That's what prompted your back call? Did they like wave their little hands at you? If you have a problem with bugs, you might not want to listen to the next 20 seconds. Just skip ahead. Give her her two minutes. She's going to go on. (laughs) No, I'm not. I saw the flea dirt, which is flea excrement, basically, and it's mostly blood. (gasps) So you can just put it against like a wet paper towel or something and it turns red. It's black. It's like these little black specks. Where did you see it? Down in her fur. Wait, where part of her? At the base of her body, on her back. It, it's all over her. Um, okay, done talking about fleas. She has medicine now. She's fine. She's medicated. Um, and I don't have fleas. 
that she knows of. We're in Madeline's apartment, so soon we'll find out. I know, right? As soon as she said that, I was like, what was the last time Grace was in my apartment? I have two cats. Like, I don't want her getting fleas all anyway, up in my cats. I was really frustrated that I had to put the book down and go to the vet, even though I love my cat more than almost anything in my life, <laughs> certainly more than myself. Um, I was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, because I had that same feeling. And thank you, Kate and Madeline, for recommending this book. Because it's so fun doing a yeah. new book that we yeah, haven't read really before enjoyable. that I didn't have any experiences with. Mm-hmm. And it's a new facet of Diana Wynne Jones. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Because it's more sci fi. It's more sci fi. Yeah. Definitely um, still fantasy elements with sure. the mythology, which I really appreciated. Yeah. But it was the more sci fi than fantasy. Um, and uh, just the, yeah, with the stories that all the different characters have been telling over time and the ways that, like, the stories are real, but they also give birth to more stories. You know, mm-hmm. kind of that same, the same way that the time ghosts are representative of yeah. something that maybe happened or should have happened or could happen mm-hmm. in the future, but it hasn't existed yet. Um, I loved the time ghosts. I thought that the they time were, were really cool. so cool. Yeah. I um, have been thinking about time ghosts a lot. Um, and I love something like a character seeing themselves in a vision and yeah. knowing that this is something that they're going Constantly to have to do and it's going to have to work yeah. out that way. Um, yeah. And another, <laughs> there's a little like snippet in Ursula K. Le Guin's introduction where she is talking about the beginning of the book and she says a, a schoolgirl on a platform who gets whisked away through a wall with her luggage yeah this kind of stuff happened before harry potter actually mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh there's a few other moments where she mentions um yeah how this book for sure gave birth to some of the concepts that have become more widely used mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah we talked about this a lot in our Witch Week episode too how Diana Wynne Jones does these like school children's stories mm-hmm. really really yeah. well and I so love the well. scenes of them so much fun. when they're in school too yeah <laughs> they're learning from yeah. Dr. Willander uh, who for most of the book I was just in my head being like you suck you're mean and I don't like you and I don't understand why you're so mean to children because I I had teachers when I was young who honestly like the only joy they had in life was being cruel to children so that's where I go in this sort of thing so I didn't like note the aspects of him that definitely weren't just that kind of character I found him pretty intriguing and somewhat endearing from the start so (laughs) that's where we diverge (laughs) I thought it was really great that in the end even after he's become Faber John he um asks Vivian do you know who I am and she says it and he's like she got the answer right for once in her life yeah. He's not completely turned into, you know, like a goodly no, benign yeah, figure. He's still, still going to be acerbic and he's still yeah. going to be mean. But it sounds really exhausting to be in that role in that city where a lot of people in the city are being corrupted by different forces mm-hmm. and they're not interested in their ultimate mission, which is to keep time moving safely yeah. forward, which is pretty important Mm -hmm. and all of history will basically be destroyed if they don't manage to keep to their task basically just comes down to like they're not responsible enough to be guardians some of them because they fall prey to the massive power that they could have if they shirk their duties even although like it will destroy everything well not to not be guardians to not be observers the guardians are i wasn't i didn't mean to say guardians as in the guardians of the books i just meant like as uh stewards of you know fulfilling the duties that they're supposed to be fulfilling totally total denethors (laughs) (laughs) denethors all over the dang place that's true (laughs) upsetting Oh, got a whole, uh, whole lot of denethors taking control in our country right now. But the cycle of time Denethor will continue. And yeah, I know Denethor in Chief is actually a really good <laughs> the name I have not thought of yet um, for our genius, our national genius. So genius. That's, that's one that, I, that I'll be using going yeah, forward. Yeah. Good. I encourage um, you to use it as well, dear listener. <laughs> Please. DIC. Oh, Denethor in Chief. Yeah, it's great. Uh, 
So that also is something I'd encourage everyone to think about. Just the cycle of time. Things are going to keep continuing on. And you shall pass. lasts forever. That's one reason why I like time travel stories. Yeah. And I really like the visual of the horseshoe-shaped time yeah. and how everything's mm-hmm. moving along it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where do we begin talking about this story? Well, um, so I'll, I can just go into something I thought of when you were talking about the time ghosts. The people, yeah. I think that Diana Wynne Jones also did, a, she always does a really good job of presenting people who are stupid in ways that are not unbelievable. They're natural. Yes. They feel real. Yes. Like the, just the tourists yeah. and how they're doing these ceremonies and they don't really remember what they even correlate to. And what really struck me as one of the things was just like people, you're being ignorant, realize what you're seeing right now is all the time ghosts that were like running to the time locks and screaming and panicking because they were broken and they couldn't get through them. And they would just come over the loudspeakers and say, don't worry, tourists, these (laughs) are just time ghosts. But remember, time ghosts happen. And these people are obviously in a lot of distress. Worrying. Yeah. Probably something we should plan for, but we're on a beautiful boat. Exactly. enjoy the day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It's pretty ridiculous. Seems kind of like a a climate change allegory, almost. Mm, A lot of this book and what it is barreling towards. And people, the city is literally crumbling around them and no one until the very last second is like, oh, wait. Yeah, time, time to put on my fancy dress. It's time for another ceremony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything is okay. Mm-hmm. But I think everything yeah. is an allegory for climate change. <laughs> oh, God, I know. It really is. Um, because it's something we all need to be thinking about constantly. If you were my friend at some point, I would trap you and make you listen. We talk for 20 minutes about how it's talking about ice and fire as a giant allegory for climate change. Yeah, we won't be doing an episode on that, but... <laughs> Madeline special episode. Yeah, we could have a Madeline's Corner episode. Just you monologuing. <laughs> and Grace try to interject to be like, wait, 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 Grace. Let me let me tell you about the legal ramifications of this. So there's also the concept of or just the device of a child being the only one who can see what's under everyone else's notices mm-hmm. and like what should be apparent to much wiser and more learned figures. Yeah. And it was cool having Vivian as a total outsider um, in many different ways and then also an imposter, but a benign imposter, yes. which is kind of cool mm-hmm. because there are lots of other really toxic, evil imposters yeah. throughout the book, um, people who are pretending to be in uh, roles where they have a lot of authority and a lot of power, um, but don't actually belong there or are trying to use that power for, to do harm Mm -hmm. and take control. Um, And uh, I liked seeing things through Vivian's eyes. The descriptions of Time City were so much fun. Um, especially because she's pulling it all back to her own, like pretty limited experience of what a world can Mm -hmm. be like. I mean, she's from London, so she does have, um, a city Mm -hmm. in her, you know, life experience that she can base these things against. Um, Because in 1939, it's not like you had access to much outside of your own personal sphere. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and she came from a time that was just a really terrifying time to be English. Yeah, I was really stressed out at the beginning of the book. I was like, oh, wow, we're on a train of children being evacuated during World War II. World War II. No, I had the exact same. I was like, whoa, right away, intense, intense (laughs) setting here. I was like, this isn't what I was expecting. I'm really scared. Um, And then there are, I mean, most of the book is spent in a lighter fashion but there are touches of that horror too like when they hear that napalm has been invented by world war one um and that there are all these different is getting out of once time is um uh critical that's what they say Mm -hmm. time has gone critical and events are all running into each other and so 
Vivian is, you know, thinking to herself, like, oh, God, the concept of going home at this point, it could just be a radioactive wasteland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although on the last page, they do say that they'll try to bring her parents to yeah. Time City and do their best to do that. Um, so I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Vivian was really fun to experience the world through, but then also have touches of realization that she is a child, mm-hmm. like when she force feeds <laughs> Sam butterflies. Yes. Or when she sticks a butterfly down cousin Vivian's yeah. dress. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about butterflies it's later. Coming. <laughs> Days ago, I texted Madeline and just butterflies. Like <laughs> <laughs> 20 exclamation points. I want butterflies real bad, guys. Very excited for that. Um, um, and her description of the fashion was really, really funny, yes, too. Yes, just pajamas. At first, right away, I thought that he was dressed in like a uh, Nike tracksuit. Or like Adidas yeah. tracksuit. It was a, it, t- it was hard for me to shake <laughs> yeah. that notion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. yeah. Uh, but then I came to understand that they were a lot more uh, flamboyant and intense yeah. than that. Yeah, and more I think re- futuristic in an interesting way, mm-hmm. Not as opposed like to like one of those suit. future stories where one has like their hair up in little circles with balls floating right. around yeah. it, and then mm-hmm. yeah, just like a, a jumpsuit yeah. of some kind. <laughs> um, and uh, it, Diana Wynne Jones nails the kind of alien feeling at first of being in a world where you have no frame of reference mm-hmm. for a lot of the things you're yeah. seeing. So she's just describing literally what things look like right. in terms of shapes mm-hmm. and orientation. Um, and it is a kind of puzzle for the reader to figure mm-hmm. out what like the automaton is like, the food bearing right. device. Yeah, which is something that you can do in a book and you just cannot do in another medium. I know. And except for maybe um, you could do it on stage if you're doing the same sort of thing that we saw a different Diana Wynne-Jones adaptation of where it was very minimalist and Mm -hmm. they just quoted from the book and set the stage and allowed you to check out our Hell's Moving Castle musical episode. Yeah, that was really fun. But it's, it's something that the book lends itself really well to. I did a a lot of imagining in this book, more so Mm -hmm. than usual when I read a book. Well, I love a book like this where there are worlds within worlds that the characters visit, Mm -hmm. like the different ages that they go to to try to, they're trying to find different caskets that um, create the life force of Time City. Yeah. Um, And so there are four and they're trying to figure out where they all might be. And they go to these incredible periods in you know, future time that we haven't experienced and our past mm-hmm. um, and witness everything that's going on there, like a giant horse with a knight holding a um, spear. Grace is doing a weird thing with her arms. Jousting. A lance. Um Going to the mind wars when mm, Earth yeah. is like a frozen pitted crust and there are people in these silvery body suits to protect their brains from the waves that people are trying to send out yeah. and to like corrupt them or control them. or It's mm-hmm. kind of unclear exactly what they do, but they say that like someone's been attacks. maybe touched by it at some point when they like can't figure out where they are yeah. or what's going on. Um, and people are riding around on what sound like weird low flying hovercrafts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I loved being totally caught up in it and like, oh my God, where are they going to go do mm-hmm. next? It or was like fun. Thinking about the end of human population. Yeah. Like the depopulating. The depopulating. Yeah. yeah. The depopulation of earth, which is really cool. Yeah. And they send <laughs> one of the baddies there at the end. Yeah. And uh, all, I think they just like smell something. What did they say? They smell like a burnt chemical sort like of smell and see a flash of red. And was like, yeah. yep, and everything will be very hot. And what he says to him is like, you you can try to talk them into letting you on the transport, but you're going to have to be nice to them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's the little girl that he sends there. It's no, 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 no. It's the dad. Are you sure? Yes, I I'm sure it's... it's the dad because I went back and read it again because I also thought he sent oh, the yeah, little girl there. Oh, yeah, and they do send her to he sent her to ancient China. China. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I remember um, that was when I finally figured out that they were supposed to be of Chinese descent. 
because they said there's a man with folded eyelids looking at her, like as she's being sent through into ancient China. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't understood what folded eyelids meant for the whole rest of the story. Okay. I've, yeah, I thought, I thought just the name Lee in combination with the folded eyelids, I think tipped me off. Yeah. I actually thought no help from the cover. I might say (laughs) no (laughs) resistance from the cover. In fact, I thought Jonathan and his family were actually black because he's described as a dark boy and he has plates but oh so you thought it meant dreads um, or not dreads but braids plate means braid okay now i know what a plate but is. it was appreciated like from the start i felt it was clear that every character wasn't white well no that's that's also i didn't think like oh i should picture them as chinese i thought and said oh i should picture them as a race that was a race that we don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was originally Chinese, but now has had so many different things that play in the genetic pool that they don't look like any race that exists now here on earth, which was also really a fun exercise to, Mm -hmm. and it was appropriate. It was just so much smarter than just being like, everyone's white or not bringing up race at all in any way. And then so many fantasy books do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in that way, it reminded me of Ursula K. Le Guin's books, too, actually, mm-hmm. where, yeah. like, race exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the reason, and racism isn't the focus, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just getting depressed. God, I thought I'd be happier Why talking about this book. Oh, I'm just, you know, it's hard thinking about how... I wish things worked in our societies. I mean, reading fantasy is both an escape and it is a productive view into, okay, like things can maybe be different, but then at the end, it's also a come down when you come back to like, wow, we've really messed up in the thousands of years that our species has been running the show, you know, uplifting times with grace. (laughs) Okay, I promise. Humanity is doomed. <laughs> We've failed completely. Evolution is over. But a book like this makes you think about those things. It's an incredible book. It's a really good book. I'm so really good book. yeah. I'm so happy yeah. that we're, we're definitely in an unstable era right now. For sure, incredibly unstable. Yeah, one yeah. of one of those that they would be sending boatloads of observers to to make sure that things go some way. Yeah. Okay, moving on. You know what I think would make me feel a lot better right now? Pretend, Pretend food. food. <laughs> <laughs> we're both pumping our arms like we're cheering. <laughs> I feel like one day I'm going to be like, Pretend food, it's here, it's coming. And like beautiful opera music will just burst forth from me. But like, <laughs> I'm waiting for that stroke of inspiration, but it's within me. It's somewhere inside. So yeah. it'll happen at some point. Pretend food is our is our sports. It's our ball game. Oh my God. It, yeah, it's our right. ball game. Go it's home. Our, Team prevent, prevent, we we can't even speak words like that have ability. to do with athletics. That's how <laughs> averse we really are. Yeah. Not to not to talk poorly of anyone who is a sports fan or an that athlete. Some of my best you guys are amazing. Are sports, seriously. My boyfriend is into sports. Do you think? Mine's not. <laughs> Get out there, kid. I'll be perfect. We will stick with pretend food. So. Both of our listeners who recommended this book mentioned the pretend food in their requests. And I think with really good reason, as soon as the automaton popped out those butter pies, I was like, holy cow, how do I get my hands on one of these? Oh, my God. And the even the way that it was presented at first where... Vivian was just in this new place. She was really angry. She's trying to come, like figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah. And she keeps being overcome as she gets to like a new taste sensation or a new pie. layer of the butter pie experience. I, and it keeps uh, saying she was about to say this, but then t- this taste happened. And she, but then, the, but then she found silent. the hot part of yes. the butter pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hot trickle. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. So I love that it's a future food, but mm-hmm. it's not one that feels like space food or is something overly clinical. You no, know what I mean? it's comfort food. Instead, it's this magical creation someone has made that can be hot and cold mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. so that you get the ultimate flavor. Experience the flavor. <laughs> so I know that you did a lot of research on butter pies because you sent me some stuff, but <laughs> I I also seriously have been thinking about butter tarts, which I'll talk more about in a second, which are lately. And then when I got to that part in the book, I was like, what is happening to me? This is incredible. Um, I found not one that had been executed, but one that had been conceptualized on a food blog, uh, a way to make butter pies that Mm. are faithful to this book. About this? Oh my gosh. I didn't find that. Uh, so their idea, and they said throughout the recipe in parentheses. Was it that same site that we've looked at before that uh, no. listener Joe sent us a link to so. about potatoes and molasses from over the garden wall? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but they kept making suggestions in parentheses saying, maybe you could try this and ended it by saying, if anyone does try this, please send me a million pictures and advice. So they didn't try to make it. They just conceptualized it, okay. but it was a very detailed recipe. Uh, it basically, the barrier between the hot and cold is homemade caramel. Yeah. But that makes that sense. That you s- stiffen. And then the inside of the caramel is like hot, toffee sauce yeah yeah and then on the outside my is, voice is cracking yeah. <laughs> yeah. is uh so, like dulce leche or they said or you dulce could try dulce leche <laughs> you always say it like that I'm this saying it like that since so I was nine years old I don't even think when it. I correct you it's just dulce de leche <laughs> dulce leche so good delicious or they said you could try uh, butter pecan or praline praline <laughs> see I eat desserts grace I don't know how to I say them think about them it's not necessary I'm not a dessert academic <laughs> a dessert statistician um. <laughs> wait so then, what's the cold layer is it ice cream the ice cream is okay. molded around the outside of the yeah. caramel and then you flash freeze it mm-hmm. for about 10 or 15 minutes before serving it, but you can't leave it in any longer. The middle will cool off completely. Well, but the idea is to make it mm -hmm. to harden the caramel so that then like by the time you get through to the caramel, you can rupture it and the, the warm toffee sauce will come pouring out. And my mouth is watering a lot right now. (laughs) I also think it needs an actual pastry crust component on the outside. Um, But I don't, think i think they do because okay. that it takes them a while to get it. to the hot part <laughs> that wasn't how i interpreted it well yeah because okay. there is a barrier between the cold and the hot part and they're just eating the cold part. but the but the outside cold part is the like toffee crunchy caramely so thing what about so then there should be a crust outside that that's like the vehicle for the entire pie what about something my like a really flaky like phyllo dough uh, I mean, that would be really with good. crunchy bits in it, like candied nut or something. Oh, yeah. I like the addition of nuts so to the saliva. crust. <laughs> and, you know, we have to go. <laughs> Going to spend all night we're, trying to replicate We're supposed this. to go to bar trivia after this, but yeah. I think we should, should actually just instead. go do like butter pie kitchen lab. Or we could instead. just ask them for butter pies at the bar and subsequently every Get single restaurant <laughs> we go to from now on. Can I have a butter pie? I'll have three butter pies, please. Like, okay. Well, okay. So my perception is also colored by butter tarts. Um, so Which is very different. Butter tarts, uh, just to quickly speak on this, are a food native to Canada. Um, they are makes it sound like they're they're like a creature <laughs> from Canada. Native to Canada, the butter tart has made a habit of emigrating. Rich in, rich in Attenborough, rich, <laughs> rich David Attenborough. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I guess I would like a David Attenborough Richard. style butter pie. Having completed tart. its long journey, the butter tart crawls back into its cave <laughs> to rest. <laughs> And perhaps be eaten. <laughs> Richin. Thank you, Richin. 
So butter tarts are, um, as far as I can tell, very popular in Toronto, um, but also throughout Canada. Because why wouldn't they be? Because <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> if you're not eating this and making Literally it? Literally butter tart. Like, so do you not want to eat that? They're small, like handheld tarts about the size of tartlets. your palm. Tartlets. Tartlets. Scones. Mm. Tarts. That's our second reference to that Adventure Time episode about the royal tarts. Such a good episode. It was the first one I ever saw, and it really just oh, totally so hooked did I, me. Did I show that to you? You did. Yeah. That's a great and place to start. And you and Josiah both quoted along the entire uh, oh, tart sure we toters so speech annoying. at the end. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I'll be here to send you into yesterday, my friends. Peace. Peace. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sure we were really annoying. Uh yeah, if any of you are thinking about ever maybe wanting to hang out with us, don't suggest that we watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy because that's the experience you'll all get. Yeah, yeah, I can. We can't stop. No, and no one likes it. Josiah hates it. <laughs> Nick hates it. Nick hates it. Anyway, butter tarts are about palm size. They have a thick outer pastry crust that looks like a miniature pie crust. Butter. Butter. Um, and then the oh, we inside. Put the butter graffiti up on our website. Let's oh, yeah, we will. The inside is a filling that varies. There are a few different traditional butter tarts. Um, they can have raisins in them. They can have nuts, or they can just raisins. be. They can just be a plain, like caramely, buttery. Yeah, filling. I vote for that. Why would you put raisins in okay. it? Raisins are good. Gross. <laughs> to some people. <laughs> I enjoy raisins. I guess, you know, when you turn 30, Mel, and you'll understand. I'll never turn 30. Although I've always enjoyed raisins. And our three-year-old sister adores raisins. I like raisins so by themselves, but you don't put them in, in your dessert unless okay. you have. Whoa. <laughs> Very emotional today. About we're high, raisins. we're low. We're all over the place. <laughs> okay, so these butter tarts can take on different, like, forms. There are many different ways to make a butter tart. Throughout even just Toronto and definitely throughout Canada. I like how Grace has now just completely departed from the book and is just talking about a Canadian dessert. No, because this is this is the closest connection that I think we have to butter pies. I, yeah, but it just Do you want you're not interested? I have more to say. No, Grace, that's not what I was saying. I'm enjoying this conversation. I it's just that I don't think that's not my conception of what the butter pie is right. like. But continue but to I'm talk about the butter why tart. I, have my I don't want to take the wind out of your sails or the salt out of your sauce. So two sauce. incredible um, artists, Jillian Tamaki and Michael DeForge, have an Instagram called Tart Quest, uh, where they document their quest to taste all the butter tarts in Shout Toronto. Shout out to Tart Quest. Yeah, check out Tart Quest on Instagram, please. It's amazing. And they just rate the different tarts that they eat. Most of the pictures are of Michael DeForge eating a tart and like... It's a really thinking. pretty feed. A yeah, lot of lovely. a lot of tarts. <laughs> They've I been like invited to tarts. judge butter tarts at. Um, I'm doing some something kind of wrong that too. I have I never know. been invited well, to judge a dessert contest. I, like maybe we should just change this podcast to a fantasy food podcast, and then maybe at some point we'll be invited to some kind of event. Or we could just like start showing up at them. Or we can have an offshoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A spinoff, as it, a spin-off, the yeah, if, the which is the correct say. word. <laughs> an offshoot. Um, if anyone, you know, if we ever get a sponsor, like if we ever, yeah, if we're ever able to spend a little more time on the show, we would totally do that, and we could like conceptualize recipes and stuff. Something to think about for the future. Let us know if you're interested. If you have a lot of money and are in- interested in investing <laughs> in the commercial that. production of butter pies. <laughs> Or just the personal production. <laughs> <laughs> Kitchen protection. Come to Seattle. Bring your wallet. We're here. We'll sell them outside the Safeway. There may be fleas in my apartment, but it is <laughs> well. Grace, welcome. don't tell the investors that. <laughs> They'll be gone in six months. Because that's how long flea eggs life cycles are. Fleas that's are- insane. <sighs> okay. Not talking about that anymore. Grace is currently sitting in my bedroom in my apartment, <laughs> shouting about how she has fleas. So, uh, help. 
help. I don't have fleas. My cat and my apartment have fleas. I know it's exactly what you were all hoping for. I was talking about <laughs> fleas during pretend food. Finishing up that. Okay. So those butter tarts, some of them are really soft and gooey. Some are, they look more like fudge, like when they're broken apart, mm. the filling. Um, some are totally liquid inside. It made me uh. think about all the possibilities of the butter pies and it shaped how I pictured them. Okay. And th- I also think of them as like kind of an inverse fried ice cream, but then there needs to be a liquid, like a hot liquid layer. Oh. The outside of fried ice cream is very hot when you first get it because yes. they have to fry it right before they yeah. serve it. And then they throw it at um, you. Yeah. And then they just mash it into your face. <laughs> <laughs> so I like if you've ever thought about ordering fried ice cream, do it. <laughs> but yeah, there's not the gooeyness of the inside That's of butter a good pie. point, though. Like Ursula a- K. Le Guin also mentions butter pies in her introduction. Everyone loves the oh butter pie. Oh my gosh. Pie. I saw this. I don't know if this is true on... I don't know if this is true in real life, but I saw it on the internet. It was like a it's little... a really good like shouting <laughs> nervous disclaimer. <laughs> I saw an article saying that uh, Diana Wynne Jones found out when she was like a teenager that she's extremely lactose intolerant. So mm. she kind of made up this dessert as a fantasy of all of the most wonderful things that dairy could be as... A way to participate in dairy desserts that she couldn't eat. Wow. Was that on the recipe page that you were looking at maybe? Wow, that's so cool. I don't remember, but I spent a lot of time on Google looking for butter pies. And that's one of the things that I came up with. See, today we have Madeline's Education Corner. Yeah, because they were butter pies and I needed to try to find that internet hole. Oh, that makes me really happy. Yeah. So... In the story, Sam is the butter pie fanatic, and oh, yeah. I was a little I think fanatic concerned. is too weak a word for his approach to eating I was a little them. concerned because I'm someone who has struggled with a sugar addiction since I was a small child, and I have made myself very ill by overindulging um, by eating amounts of ice cream or brownies or candy that you would think might slay a person, and the amount that they said that he was eating... Literally, if they cost one credit and he spent a hundred credits on them, right? He would have had to. Have eaten. I think yeah, or they cost like two credits and he had two hundred. Yeah, yeah, he, he ate a hundred. He ate a hundred of them, and yeah. I'm concerned that he's gonna like die. <laughs> That's too much. I can't believe he wants another one by uh, the end of the book. Yeah, That's on par with like your first. Your first. Drinking, bad drinking experience like being how with, I, like, watermelon vodka. If I even smell Southern Comfort whiskey now, I want to just leave this mortal plane. <laughs> yeah, and it's easy for me to avoid flavored vodka, fortunately. And Southern Comfort. And so no good. one's, like, throwing it. <laughs> drink right. that. Yeah, those are young people drink drinking things. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's... Also worrying that he wants more by the end of the book. I also, okay, I also love how butter pies is u- are used both as rewards and punishments. Yes. <laughs> Vivian assaults people on two separate occasions With using butter a pie. butter pie. Which would be a very unpleasant thing because oh, it's cold so and hot and sticky. Yeah. And in your eye. You're, you have to take <laughs> an entire shower to, and then wash all your clothes. And what's worse than being sent back to an ancient period alone than doing it with your clothes a mess? We touched earlier on how time travel works um, and how it has, this time travel has a fantasy aspect to it. Um, And in talking about the magical system of the book, I think it's a really interesting hybrid of fantasy and sci-fi because this time travel is based, like I said, in our own understanding of it, in our reality. Um, Like the butterfly effect is a huge thing. It's really important to try to figure out how to fit the different times together and account for different people where they should be and when they should be and how something you do in the past is going to affect you in the present. Madeline's <laughs> <laughs> just looking at me with dead eyes. It's because every time someone says butterfly effect, the 
entire trailer for that movie with like Ashton Kutcher because they played it before one of the Lord of the Rings movies. So I saw that trailer like nine times. Yeah. And it's literally. And Ashton Kutcher just came Ashton Kutcher and Amy Smart. You can see that from the trailer that he's just like, I'm acting. Tear rolling down my face. The butterfly effect. That's why, that's why I was staring at you with dead eyes, Grace, if you must know. Well, yeah, so what we're talking about is chaos theory. And when we're talking about the butterfly effect, I think of the Ray Bradbury short story. Well, sound we of can't all be so magic and cultured like Grace doesn't think of Ashton Kutcher movies. The Ray Bradbury story, A Sound of Thunder, if you haven't read that, somehow get at it right now. It's short and it's absolutely stunning. Great. It's a good, good story. I'll try to think of it from now on. Um, Maybe I'll think of Ashton Kutcher <laughs> in the Rave Rev. Yeah, that's Street. good. Just put his Slailing face around. on all of the characters. <laughs> yeah, perfect. He's the one who does the really stupid thing. The stupid thing. The stupid thing. Um, yeah, so the magical system in this book is is unique. Because uh, it's much more science-based. Yeah, but then there are also ghosts. Yeah, which are really cool. Um, who are fascinating i love the ghost who tries to run up to the clock every day and never makes it i thought that was so cool it was incredible so (laughs) cool it's really incredible i'm using up all my positive adjectives i'm just saying incredible over and over again but that happens on this show okay like amazing incredible wow to it wow wow Uh, like little kids reviewing a movie they just yeah. saw. It was awesome. When that guy did the awesome thing to the awesome guy. I was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> What's happening? Now we sound like a three-year-old, not just a little, like our little sister, Issa. Oh, yeah. So I can't even really define the magical system. I think the guardians are magical in a lot of different ways. I think the time lady is super cool and she's sleeping beneath time city um, for centuries. Mm -hmm. Um, And she brings along the giant horse from the golden era Mm -hmm. or the era of gold or whatever they called it. Um, because she thought that there should be more animals in Time City. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Because there were no animals. But they end up with more animals and more children because yeah, they're because running out of children. They end up with a bunch of kids who were evacuating from London. Who they save from their train blowing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would have died. They end up in Time City, which I thought yeah, was pretty cool. I liked that too. Yeah. Um, so they did, you know, have some positive effects on the unstable era. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about the use of quote unquote magic in this it's there isn't magic per se, but there are the special effects that the different stones have the different, um, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. What are they called? Caskets. Caskets. But it's all science based. I don't think anyone uses the term magic. No, absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And I, I liked that. I think for, a, a story with so much time travel in it and treating time in the way that it does and having this city that's outside the normal cycle of time, which is all laid out like a horseshoe and can it's be... mapped out, yeah. It, I, I really, really liked the treatment of time in this and I preferred that it had a more scientific basis for it all rather than magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that it struck a really good balance of... Like I said earlier in the episode, making it believable. Oh, and the four guardians becoming Faber John. Yeah. I feel like that That's was cool a too. magic yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, also realized something, you maybe already know this because you studied Latin, but Faber means Smith, which is why they thought Vivian was the time lady because they thought Vivian yeah. Smith is Faber John's wife. I, I didn't. I think they say that in the book. Oh, well, I was reading too quickly. Okay. <laughs> I was too excited. That's why I knew that. It wasn't because I studied Latin. It was because they okay. said it in the book. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> I just looked up Faber at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's fa- Faber, Fabris, Smith in Latin. Cool. Latin. Okay. I think the last thing we need to do before we sum up is Badass Lady Meter. Badass Lady Meter. It's fun to have a little girl as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, I feel like we haven't had a a young girl as a protagonist of one of the books we've read for a little That's while. True, yeah. um, but she does come from a really traumatic era, so yeah. she's different. She's very brave mm-hmm. and she's resourceful. 
Um, and she, she adapts so quickly. There's not like a whole long well. like, what? I don't believe it. She's very insightful and she sees people for who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, like intuitive. She acknowledges, she yeah, readily sees and acknowledges the faults of people around her without, you know, telling them mm-hmm. <laughs> that they have these problems. But she brings it into her own understanding of how to approach a situation. Like with Jonathan being kind of lordly and snooty. Um, no, I think she's really empathetic. She connects she with people. Yeah. No, she really is. Yeah. Um, like with the dad and the mom, she connects oh my with gosh. them in very different ways. The Sempiturn. Yeah. I can't oh believe we haven't talked about yeah. him, but Jonathan's dad is a mad and very puzzling figure yeah. um, who seems at first to just be like an explosive person who has a, a rage problem yeah. um he's always shooting anguished <laughs> looks at everyone looking so sad yeah. all the time. Like, like screaming and running around yeah. um but then you find out that everyone's kind of in on it and it's like a, a bonding activity yeah, it's like how they give him stress relief from yeah. the horrible job of trying to keep time city working properly yeah. and keep everyone in there proper roles um i like then, i really love how his looks are always anguished but sometimes he shoots a an especially anguished look <laughs> and vivian says that she comes to realize that the anguished look is his form of a wink yes <laughs> yes i love that so cool he's so weird yeah, i don't think i've seen a, really a character weird, like that before weird character. and he provided a lot of comedic relief and like slapstick levels of visual humor mm-hmm. um but it's done in this really different way that I really appreciated and yeah once Vivian starts indulging him and like laughing at him and they have a a grand old time it's so fun and then they develop a real kind of affection and understanding for one another yeah I loved that Mm -hmm. that was a smaller moment but like what a rich character to have just on the periphery of the story Something cool. something else we haven't talked about at all, which I should we can just touch on this briefly in terms of the magic system or rather science system is Elio. Um, oh, I love Elio. I really, yeah. really loved him. This He's is what also... happens when you talk about the food for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about the main characters. Well, there's he doesn't become a main character until like three yeah. fourths of the way through. He's kind of peripheral. Mm-hmm. Um and he's also a very tragic figure, mm-hmm. as yes. androids often are. Yeah. Um, but he is an extremely he's he's very, very soulful he's very for soulful being an and he's very devoted yeah he is i yeah. love that he gives <clears throat> vivian a reel of different films from yeah. throughout history mm-hmm. um so that because she loves movies but she hasn't you know she hasn't seen that many and she's like yet from 1939 and uh he gives her movies that haven't been created yet or that are very old and mm-hmm. um yeah she stays up watching them yeah um yeah and i i love how visually he's always kind of commented on as like this small light and kind of frail looking figure but then he Uh can do these incredible things like run so fast i love the description of him running where like his head is being flung from side to side and his arms are bumping up and Uh down and vivian knows that he's running as fast as he possibly Uh can to try to get the lead casket Uh to the tower before all hell breaks loose um, and when he accompanies them on journeys, he's very selfless and he really cares for the children's safety. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's an Android who is very human and has the feeling of, of being a human and having those human feelings. Yeah. Um, and then we learn in the end that he was created so that he could keep a favorite John company so that there could be someone else intelligent around. <laughs> which yeah. I totally understand because the people in this book, are make a lot of mistakes yeah. <laughs> and they are pretty goofy little little infuriating yeah definitely and i i love also the the ending is so good i love the last page when it's just like yeah of course come you're gonna come for your lesson you've started learning i never stop anything before i finish it mm-hmm. and i'll see you in my library and yeah. that's the end of the book yeah i turned no, the page i thought there'd be more and i like, oh. i just really liked that at the end they said no you stay you yeah. can stay. Even though Time Lady was trying to hand down some pretty strict sentences, or at least yeah. say you have to appear before Time Court. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll all be okay. I think so, too. Okay, so Badass Lady Meter. Um, I didn't think about a rating beforehand for Vivian, but how can it not be 
enough butter pies so that you're full and delighted, but not one too many to turn them into a horrible ordeal. Oh my goodness, that was perfect. <laughs> Surprise, I also didn't think of one ahead of time. I'm going to say on the Badass Lady Meter, she is the amount of compassion that has taken Elio a hundred years to gather, but Vivian has, even though she's just a little girl. Yeah, Vivian was cool. Yeah, yeah. Would you like your own Badass Lady Meter rating? Review us, that's something we're doing now. We gave out our first ratings at the beginning of our last uh, full-length episode on the never-ending story so shoot us over that review because it's over the episode's over it's over <laughs> that's everything we have to say right now about time city because we've, we've had an hour <laughs> we're over an hour it's time to stop it's about that time um, we've enjoyed this journey i hope uh, you've enjoyed this it was too. incredible for the last time thank you so much kate and madeline for recommending this book um so good and we'd love to read some more books for the first time Absolutely. so if there's something so you think nice. we'd be into um, send it our way yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we really appreciate you all all of you listening out there I'm Grace and I'm Madeline I forgot to reiterate you can find us on dragonbabiespodcast.com dragonbabiespodcast on Instagram dragonbabiespod on Twitter and you should just email at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Again, I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye-bye.